0: Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier Podcast. As always, it's your boy, Mac. Joining me today is my good old friend, my co-host, and Corey Walsh. How you doing, Corey?
1: I'm doing all right. I'm I'm collecting my tears from Kevin Love, not <laughs> winning six men of the year, as all Cavs fans should be. This is our most realistic award, probably.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think... Some of us still thought that Evan Mobley had a shot, like an outside shot at Rookie of the Year. But I guess recency bias kind of got the best of the voters in that regard. We knew who, we know who truly should have won that award. But as you say, the Sixth Man of the Year award did feel attainable for Kevin Love. But you kind of want to shed some light on your opinion in regards to how the voting went. Uh, well, Tyler
1: Hero got 96 of the 100 first place votes. So I'm no mathematician, but that's about 96 uh, percent of the vote. For <laughs> first. So, uh,
0: yeah, it was uh, no yeah. competition. It was a landslide.
1: Kevin was second place. He got three. So, you know, good stuff for Kevin. Kevin was the uh, predominant second place, though. He had 58 second place votes and then 25 third place votes. He had, he finished with 214 total points. Tyler Hero had 488 because those first place, uh, they, they do matter. <laughs> and Cam Johnson uh, came third with 128 total points. And don't forget about the the absolute three-headed monster of one play one time third place votes between Brandon Clark, Tyus Jones and Maxie Cleaver.
0: That's ridiculous. It's <laughs> that just ridiculous. Um so first off, let's just unpack this a bit. Um do you think Tyler Harrow absolutely deserved to win this award? I
1: think when you're a borderline starter for the team for a majority of the year, your uh, t- your six man of the year title should be removed. I mean, I guess we could quality starter of the
0: year at this point if that's what it takes to win the award. Do we know off the top of our heads how many games Tyler Hero actually started? I'm about to look that up because that he played in 66 games this season. So that's one thing. It's an 82 game season, and he missed. 16 games right if my math is correct he started 10 of those games i feel like what tyler hero be coming off the bench
1: equivalent is like when james harden was on okc and they had tabo sefalosha start in the lineup initially Mm -hmm. he never saw tabo in the end of those lineups it was always james james basically was a starter and i feel like there has to be like some type of threshold here where team or uh, the uh, i'm gonna say like the academy as if it's like the oscars where the academy just really needs to be like hmm, you know i've been watching a lot of these heat games this year and he plays probably top three minutes on that team right now <laughs> i mean yeah to be fair the whole team was banged up for the entire year and it was a constant like swapping of players back and forth but That's kevin fair. love
0: never really played starter minutes no four games in 74 appearances this year kevin love started four games and he only averaged 22 and a half minutes this season now tyler hero on the other hand in those 66 games the guy averaged 32.6 minutes you do the math i mean that's 10 more minutes a game and i get it his impact whether or not he's starting or coming off the bench he's an excellent player so i'm not going to take it away from him i feel like it was deserved but at the same time i just thought kevin should have got a bit more love wow <laughs> what a word smith we got <laughs> i uh
1: i just feel like you know kevin i I'm, we're just we're just biased especially me maybe <laughs> i've been banging the kevin love drum the entire year <laughs> And I just wanted the man to get his due. And Mac wants to ship him out of town, <laughs> based I on not. last episode. <laughs> and he's just gonna deny it because he wants to keep his cast positive morale up.
0: I Called gotta save face, to apparently. <laughs> yeah, I gotta save face, apparently. Man, uh, so you know that kind of brings me to a, a thought that I had the other day. Um, kind of related in regards to Kevin Love overall in these last four seasons. Now, Kevin Love received that, what was it, $130 million deal, right?
1: Four uh, years. Yep.
0: $130, I think it was something around there. I think it's 120, 120 Yeah, $120. Good, 30 so, a year. <laughs> yeah. So here was my thought process behind, just sitting here thinking about it the other day. In that period of time, we knew that Cleveland was, was heading vastly, you know, vastly towards – Rebuild, like full-on rebuild, tearing everything down. And they were trying to cling to anything they knew from a championship caliber season. And so handing Kevin Love the extension at that point in time didn't seem like that big of a deal, um, probably from an organizational standpoint, just because you wanted to kind of hold fast and hold tight to that identity that you that you once had. And you wanted to bring some type of component into the into the rebuild, in which they have thus far. And so when people discuss the albatross of his contract, you know, just just the pure dollar, you know, the dollar aspect of it. This guy's averaged about 30 million dollars a year over the last three, four years. And we obviously knew he was never going to live up to that production. But I will say this. People act as if Cleveland has been a free agency destination for its entirety. And it hasn't. They knew They were not going to attract any star player. They were not going to attract any star level talent here to accelerate the rebuild, in my opinion. So for people who are still kind of crying about the money of it all, it's not a big deal to me anymore. Just because I feel the team has been now put into position to build through the draft. They built organically and they still have Kev and Kev might end up signing a much cheaper deal to remain a Cavalier once this Next season's up if he isn't traded, which I I don't think he will be on a serious note, but I'm just saying all this to say that, man, I don't really mind the contract anymore. Like it, it doesn't bug me as much as it once did just because I do not feel that they would have attracted a star caliber player during that period of time.
1: You know, I kind of look at the uh, Kevin Love deal as what the Hornets did with Gordon Hayward Mm -hmm. last season. I want to say it was last season was when he was signed to Charlotte, but it's kind of like if you're Charlotte or you're a Cleveland and you're a small market team and you're never going to attract like higher mid or high talent to come to your town unless you got like exciting young players and at the time, Mm -hmm. neither franchise really had either and when you look at the Kevin Love deal, like you said, it, it was more that like they didn't want Cavs fans to feel like when LeBron leaves the second time everything's gone. Yeah. That like they're like, oh well, when LeBron left the first time, they were kind of caught off guard and they didn't have any. They're like, here's Mo Williams and Marrejo, <laughs> and then that didn't for it's like sentimental value, but in terms of like encore talent, those players solely relied on LeBron's production to be relevant. At least with Kevin Love, he had a pre-LeBron resume. And people were like, well, now Kevin can step back into the fold and he's part of the championship team. There's some sentimentality Mm -hmm. there. He didn't necessarily just have to be a reminder of the good times because he was still Kevin Love. And maybe as we grew to found out, Kevin Love was never going to be Minnesota Kevin Love again. And that's just a combination of his body type changing, I believe, and just because he got accustomed to refining his game to fit into the championship team. And like to play with LeBron, he became much more of a perimeter oriented player as opposed to in Minnesota. He was a back to the basket offensive hub guy. Yeah.
0: And then, he, Oh no, you go. No, I was just going to say, he kind of, you know, was a lesser man's Nikola Jokic for the early portion of his career, um, at least from an offensive standpoint. And, he just he can't function that way anymore, especially getting older and whatnot, but he's adapted.
1: I mean, it's the, like the LeBron treatment. I mean, we saw it with Chris Bosh, even Chris <laughs> Bosh in Toronto was a completely different player than the Chris Bosh that you got in Miami. You, when you become third banana after being like a star player, it, you really have to figure out like you're really refining your game to only certain things that will complement the team because it's not often the Cavs were going to call Kevin Love's number in like 2014 through 2018 to be like, all right, Kev ISO ball LeBron's going to just sit out for these next few plays. It was like, if LeBron's sitting out, Kyrie was usually just going to step in and then Kevin was still going to at most be the second option. It always felt like Kevin Love's most impressive performances were when he was just lights out from three. It was never that like he just completely took over a game. It's like, oh, Kevin Love's hot tonight. Awesome. We're going to win because of Kevin Love's on fire usually just means the offense is just getting a massive
0: bonus. Except for that Trailblazers game. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> that was the outlier, was obviously. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I could wholeheartedly agree with everything. It takes a... A, a very mentally stable type of person to be able to play third fiddle um, for that long and then try and snap back into being like the guy, which Kevin Love, um, you know, we you make no mistake. He was the guy in Minnesota, but he was never going to be that guy again once he left. Um, even after LeBron left, it was just it was going downhill in that regard in regards to his role with the team. And he's in the perfect place for him right now from just a a role standpoint contractually does it does it hurt to be paying the guy you know 30 plus million a year from a cap space perspective sure but at the same time it's a little bit more palatable when you consider that cleveland probably wasn't going to attract anybody and let me ask you this over the past three or four seasons the free agency crop that we've seen like superstars moving like guys who can actually make a difference do you think they could have attracted anybody, like anybody who has moved over that period of time? No, because I feel like
1: for teams like Cleveland, I consider like the Kevin love being 30 million is like the small team tax kind of, you're going to overpay consistently for top level players, not even top. Like if you want like a mid tier level player who's serviceable that most playoff teams would be interested in to like Mm -hmm. use their mid level on, you're probably going to have to add on another five a year to just get them to come over. I mean, Look how much we paid for Lowry to come over. You know what? how many other teams were really going to pay Lowry marketing that much money <laughs> to come to the team? That was not going to be on his table from any of the bigger – like maybe the Knicks because the Knicks are just really hungry to pay power forwards a ridiculous amount of money yeah. consistently. But I just think when you look – we were – I mean – no one's waking up in the morning and being like, "Damn, I I want to go to Cleveland," especially like before this Nobody. season. Like, what were you, unless you were like some kind of cleric and you're like, "I know Darius is about to take the jump."
0: <laughs> this you day. would have had to be a fucking mystic to predict some some of that. It's just like even after this season, I don't know if Cleveland will actually still be a friend, like free agency hotspot. They might draw like maybe one one bigger name than you would expect, but. You know, with the rotation likely kind of being set into next season, especially if Sexton returns, I mean, team probably isn't going to draw big names.
1: I feel like they might though, because you hear all the veterans that have been mm-hmm. on other teams talk about the Cavs, whether it was Rubio, Rondo. Oh like, well, yeah, Kevin. guys like that. I'm not. I'm not
0: including those guys. Oh no, that,
1: like, I I was saying like that they raved about like the atmosphere of the team, and I feel like if they're like quality veterans saying that that Mm -hmm. that will draw the eye of more of those mid-level exception type players to want to come over because I feel like teams just like, you know, it's all about the vibes and the Cavs If they have anything like guaranteed, like maybe we don't, we aren't as successful next year, but you can tell this team 100% is like, there's no one who really is an
0: outcast in this group. Like they're a very tight knit group of guys. Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, I'm not ruling out maybe like a an upper-level, uh, you know, mid-level exception type of player, a guy maybe like a Hassan Whiteside or, um, you know, there's, there's a couple of names out there that people have been throwing out there. But largely in regards to just like who we would want to actually bring in outside of Rubio, who a lot of people are still clamoring for, and I get that, um, I just don't know whether or not it's necessary at this point in time, like in over that three to four period of time in which this team was rebuilding. um, I just don't think they could have used the money that Kevin Love got to get anybody noteworthy.
1: Yeah. No, I Um, felt like this past off season, a player I really wanted was Doug McDermott. And I, once Doug McDermott got that deal from the, I think he got signed by the Spurs and it was, it was a, it was a pretty hefty contract, and I was like, Cleveland was probably going to have to overpay just to get Doug McDermott, and that was like my ideal, realistic free agent signing, and when that didn't happen, I'm like, all right, and then, I, then it was followed by the Denzel, Valentine, Laurie Markkinen off offseason, and I was like, wow, this could not have gone in a completely opposite way of what I was expecting.
0: In in speaking about the Spurs, you got a question here. You probably see what would it have taken to get DeJounte Murray? Is it still open in the future? What like what kind of deal do you think the Cavs could have made for for Murray? And do you think it's still possible to acquire him?
1: I mean, it depends on what the Spurs really want to do. I feel like if Pop's there, they're not gonna sell and re- try to like kind of do a soft rebuild. Cause like can you call it a rebuild if like they didn't make the playoffs they're still kind of doing the same thing
0: no i think I, they're honestly just, i think there may be like a piece or two away from being back in the playoffs because they almost made it i mean they were in the play right yeah
1: they um i just don't see why the spurs rumors with murray are so active because he's by far their best player he's he fits their timeline he is get, get, getting gradually better he was in the race for most improved player with darius and Ja. Mm-hmm uh obviously i think he would I, I i feel like it would be a weird fit with him and darius personally because
0: so i just let me stop you right there then then obviously you would not be including darius garland in said deal for murray
1: no i feel like it's it would have to be sexton because like i i just feel like the Cavs, if they had to pick right now gun to their head who they would pick I it would be the player who went to the All Star game.
0: They're absolutely year. picking Murray. Like I love Sexton, um, but I'm not gonna lie here. Like if they had the opportunity to acquire Murray and all it costed them was Sexton, you had you really have to consider that. I mean, uh, he's got I, size and he can do everything. I feel like if it was a, I, I
1: mean, you can tell me what you feel about this, but I feel like a deal with acquiring Dejounte Murray would have to be like Sexton and a Coro. And, and a first. It would probably and be first. this
0: year's first. And maybe even a second. And you would and probably you could, pull the trigger.
1: And if they want to make my dreams come true, they could uh they could trade Doug McDermott to us and you can have Jetty Osmond. I, I've said for years that Jetty is an untapped Doug McDermott.
0: <laughs> an untapped, maybe maybe Pop can get something out of him that we he loves the
1: Euros. Me I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> maybe Just he's the next <laughs>
1: Watch the first month of J.D. Osmond pop and you will love him.
0: Hey, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like if Jetty was to move to like a golden state or or no lie, a San Antonio, I feel like Jetty would be a very productive player.
1: I mean, if you look at the Omar Caspi role for the Warriors, that yeah, is what Jetty I have heard it forever. <laughs> you know, his family has said the same thing.
0: Oh, <laughs> Lord. She's Louise, man. Um seriously though what do you like is that is that the deal you'd be comfortable offering for murray like sexton okoro a first do you think that would be okay
1: no i personally don't want I like, I feel like I just, that move to me doesn't move the needle a lot. Mm -hmm. It's like everyone argues the biggest complaint with the Sexton and Garland lineup is that the size issue is going to be the problem. So you're telling me another guard that isn't as talented as scoring as Colin Sexton is, is going to somehow improve the team drastically. I mean, yes, he's a much better defensive guard than either Sexton or Garland, but a coro also is a very good defender as well. So we're basically giving away elite scoring and potentially elite defense in Akoro and a first round pick for a guard that doesn't solve any of the issues that we saw in the postseason where when we needed a bucket outside of Garland, we couldn't really find it.
0: That's fair. And and Murray is actually older than Sexton at uh, at twenty-five. I think he'll be twenty-six by the time season rolls back around. Um, he's got a bit more size, but not like a ton. I mean, six foot four to Collins, what, six two? Mm-hmm. Um, Collins to me still has a tremendous amount of upside. So I know like public opinion of him has kind of swayed like back and forth over the past few months. Um, for me, you know how I feel about him. We're not going to get into all that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what I will say is this like, I, I obviously want Sexton to be a part of this core. And uh, and saying that, you know, we can go ahead and get into our our point tonight, and that's just kind of talking about some of the scenarios, uh, some of the directions the Cavs could head in um, going into next season. And so, um, as a point of reference, I just wanted to let you know if you didn't weren't already aware, I, I believe the Cavs have 11 players under contract in, uh, for the 2022-23. That's pretty good. Um, that's not including Sexton. If Sexton returns, that's obviously 12, and you have three other spots. I believe, and not counting the two A's to fill the roster up. But our first question, or scenario rather, comes from John Coacher. Uh, <laughs> his scenario is, use Jetty Windler to find an inexpensive, playable veteran point guard or center who can play 10 plus minutes per game. Use the middle of exception for the other spot. Draft best wing available that fits roster's needs. And he also reserves the right to change uh, change that opinion if the pick jumps up in the top four.
1: <laughs> you
0: know, that's a good caveat to have. To, you
1: had to include the caveat. Well, way to be safe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of saying <laughs> use Jetty or Windler,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh Winler's value has to be zero.
0: <laughs> you would literally have to attach like you would probably have to attach a first rounder with Winler just to get rid of him at this point
1: it's not even that he's like a contract hold. It's just like teams are going to be like, why can't we just get him when you cut him? Cause that's more likely. And he's free. Like, I'm not going to take a flyer on Dylan Windler and then expect to get like a quality veteran in return. And the salaries don't even wouldn't even match whatsoever. We just yeah. be getting another player. It'd be like the equivalent of like the cam reddish Kevin Knox trade where two teams just swap their failed projects with each other and just be like, well, I sucked at this assignment, but let's see what you're, Let's see what you see can, do, what you with can do with them.
0: Yeah, and and, and just to conclude you, and Dylan's making is going to be making about four million next season. Keep getting them checks, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would gladly if you want to pay me to ride the bench. Yeah, know the- that.
1: The Dylan Windler trade to me is like the equivalent of in arrested development when Tobias Fumke just goes like, you know, the therapy doesn't work for other <laughs> couples, but maybe it'll work for us. <laughs> and that, that's like what it's going to take for someone to take a nibble on the Dylan Windler cake. And I don't see that happening. Jetty is probably going to be the player that gets moved. We, If we looked at the at uh, the postseason as any indication, him and JB uh, don't seem to be on the best of terms in yeah, terms of
0: – He's on a relatively movable you know, salary next season. 7. Isn't it like seven? Million. Yeah,
1: that deal is like very affordable. Which at the time I remember, everyone was like, kind of like, why are we Growing. signing? Why yeah. are we signing Jetty? But then you look at the numbers, and it's like, at the end of the day, it's not impossible to move. If like, regardless, teams will want that salary just because it's going to be so easily moved from team to team. Jetty Osmond could become a journeyman before our very eyes. Yeah, which means he's I mean,
0: gonna go to the Lakers. <laughs> the Cavaliers have actually been sneaky good at being able to like do contracts in that regard, you know. For every Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, Kevin Love type of contract, there's a Larry Nance, Larry marken and Jetty Osman type of deal out there. Um very movable deals. Yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna put
1: Laurie in the uh the same tier. As Jenny and Larry, I feel I'm like when I saw that. From a play
0: standpoint, I'm just saying, like if you wanted to gauge the value of a Larry marketing right now, you could move him if you needed to. Yeah, like I said, New York's always calling. <laughs> <laughs> you got a power forward from Europe? Yeah, That's awesome. it's not like a it's not like a John Wall-esque or, or Russell Westbrook-esque. Uh, we're not touching that deal with a 10-foot pole. It's It's one of those that you could legitimately still get value out of him if you wanted to move on. <laughs> Same applies for Jetty. And we obviously see Larry Nash Jr. balling out right now. Well, had been balling out for <laughs> New Orleans. Rest in peace, Larry. <laughs> you, like the Cavs, are done. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Uh, so I guess my question for you in regards to this question is, is there really an a, a inexpensive point guard or center out there you could see the Cavs getting with the combined salaries or at least Jetty's salary? Not really. Because of the trade market?
1: I don't think so. I feel like if, the, the, the league is pretty abundant with guards. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like most teams don't really want to move off of theirs, I feel like. And why would – I feel like that's like bargain-level deals. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of many teams that are willing to get rid of their bargain-level backup guards. I mean, I know the Knicks are desperately trying to separate themselves from Kemba Walker. But I'm not mm-hmm. trying to take Kemba Walker and his, like, replacement
0: hip. As my backup point guard Jeez, anytime Louis. soon, <laughs> Josh flash shootings much. <laughs> uh, what, Raul Neto? I mean, come on. Uh, I know a, a guy's name who's been floated out there even before this season in regards to Jetty, which they've been linked a lot, is Terrence Ross. Um, would you re explore yeah. that deal? I
1: mean, yeah, if it was available, probably, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like we're <laughs> kind of past the point of where I think Terrence Ross is going to really move the needle for me. $11.5 and a half million next season. I think a lot of people look back to 2K and be like, man, Terrence Ross was a great eighth man on
0: my 2K, my team. And they're like, that's going to translate real You can't well. even give my dog a sixth man. You got to give him the eighth man. Jeez Luis. He's like a 76. <laughs> if
1: he's your sixth man, Mac. Your GMing is interesting.
0: <laughs> you don't even <laughs> want to know who my sixth man is in 2K right now. We're not going to get into that um but yeah he'll be making 11 and a half next season and then he'll be an unrestricted free agent in 2023 so i mean i wouldn't give anything up for him i'd just wait till his free agency the following season if you really wanted him um because jenny will be off the books talk about magic wings we could also just
1: bring up gary harris for like the 90th time <laughs> yeah what are your thoughts on gary harris i mean seriously i think gary harris is a very overrated player um, I think people think he's good, and then they watch him play, and they're like, huh, you know what? He does not hit remotely as many shots as I would think he would on an Orlando team that's starving for points, and I just, like, maybe it's a situation in which, like in Denver, where if he is, like, completely open because he's the last <laughs> player on people's minds, he'll make them from the corner, but at the same time, he's not a great defender. He... At best, is a street shooter. Who does that
0: sound like? Not
1: <laughs> Jenny Osmond. That's for certain.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna throw one more name out there in regards to uh, to that spot, and that is Victor Aladipo, who will be in unrestricted free agent. Is like, would you consider him for like a depth signing? Like, yes. I honestly don't. I don't. It would not make sense from Victor's standpoint if he's trying to get like a big role, like a bigger role than he has with Miami right now. Uh, but just from the Cavaliers side of things, would you throw an offer out there for him in free agency? If we signed Victor Oladipo, which I would totally be down for, I'd be fine moving Karis LeVert like right away. (laughs) Even (laughs) honestly, even with Victor's injury history.
1: Uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, I think the hard thing with Victor Oladipo is how far is the name value of Victor Oladipo going to get him in terms of a contract? Because, you know, it's True. easy to sign him for the minimum when he's coming off of injuries consistently. For but yeah. if he does well in the postseason, like he's been playing very well for Miami in this past few series against the Hawks <laughs> and against Philly. Like he's an integral part of their team as
0: long as Kyle Lowry's been out. They might actually – I'm I'm willing to bet they'll offer him a pretty solid deal um, based upon how far their playoff run goes. He's got 11.6 rebounds tonight.
1: No, I mean it's it's Miami. It's going to be hashtag heat culture. They're going to offer him a deal he can't refuse, and you'll wonder why Victor Oladipo signed a two-year, $8 million
0: contract. And people will be like, heat culture. He yeah, I mean- the reason. And, and it's not like the guy is like hurt, like starving for a role there either. He's played 22 minutes tonight and he is apparently tonight, he was the seventh man. So, I mean, that's not bad. That's like a Kevin Love kind of role. Um, and in, in, in retard in regards to minute totals, at least. But yeah, I mean, I, if they had the opportunity to get Aladipo, seriously, I would definitely consider that and maybe have to reevaluate whether or not I'd want to keep Karis just because Karis is, uh, his contract would probably be far exceeding what you could get Oladipo for. Yeah,
1: and I think the ceiling of what Oladipo could be is higher than Karis Lavert. I think Karis Lavert's a very up and down player, and Oladipo, we're not going to get prime Oladipo like Pacer no. Oladipo ever again, but I think you could get at least like. of Karis Levert's ceiling in Oladipo on a good night. And I would rather play by the margins at that point, especially for a team that I don't see Karis Levert being an integral piece of this team in like year two or three of this rebuild. I think we're technically, I guess, in year two of like the five-step plan at this point. But I I don't know about you, Mac, but I don't see Karis Levert really like when, if the Cavs host uh, hoist the trophy, let's say in five years, I don't expect Karis Levert to be one of the players smiling.
0: No. um, I mean, I just don't – for now, he's like one of those kind of holdover guys. Um, And maybe that's harsh. I don't know. Maybe we're judging him too early. But just based upon his career and what we've seen uh, in his short tenure with the Cavs, no, I don't – I honestly do not think he will be around past this next season. I think he gets one more season with the Cavs and then he's out. That's my prediction. I could be wrong. I hope I am. Um I, th- I still think he 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 does provide you good production for the contract value he's on, but he's a, also another movable deal, which he might be. Hell, he might be moved this offseason. Um if if some type of offer comes along, you just never know. How ironic would it be if we just move Care Silver and the first round pick for another player. <laughs> I really hope we don't go that route and um, we can go we can get into that in just a bit um, the next scenario up here was from Richard Dorrington. It's not really a scenario, but I'll <laughs> mention it. Uh, work on shooting hoops, defense, and driving to the hoop. All solid. Yes, they need to do all of those things. Um, defense, this team's identity. Um, they can improve upon that simply by getting guys healthy and maybe adding a backup five who can actually contribute. Um, not in that Davis <laughs> what the hell, man? <laughs> Talk about drive-by uh, shootings. Um, but I'm serious, man. Like if you're if your best option at the center position from a defensive standpoint is often like some mixture of Larry Markton or Kevin Love at the five, um, not great. I mean, you saw what happened <laughs> to Moses Brown, and I mean, I'm a supporter of Moses Brown, but Jesus, that guy is like he can be downright atrocious defensively, uh, especially. When trying to defend the perimeter, and he he literally was rendered unplayable.
1: Yeah, I like how you said he can be useless on the defensive end. He is
0: <laughs> the two just to, has a zero defense. I'm trying to you're- <laughs> sugarcoat it, man. I'm trying to be nice because he's. I hope they retain him. I'll put it that way. Like I think there's something there. There's something that you cannot teach size apparently. So that's one thing. But from a defensive standpoint, if he is your backup center, you're you're going to be in far world of hurt.
1: If you're looking for a defensive stalwart, you're basically uh, just sort of putting up the white flag with the rotation of Moses Brown, Lowry, and Kevin.
0: Yeah, so I I really hope they bring in a backup five. I floated the name and people didn't like it. Tristan Thompson out there. I get it. I I really understand why people wouldn't like that, but I also get the fact that he's cheap. He has championship experience, and at the very worst, he could be another breaking case of emergency guy like Ed Davis.
1: I was gonna say he literally is gonna fill the Ed Davis role if he comes mm-hmm. back
0: because that dude's knees are shot. <laughs> I mean, he's probably done, and he probably should consider retirement this offseason. But if you need somebody, you could they can come in like in the very, like, literally an emergency role like Davis. I wouldn't feel comfortable with Thompson out there just like I would Davis. There's really no drop off. If you're
1: looking for your team to make a, an appearance on the new Kardashian show on who <laughs> Tristan Thompson's your guy. If Darius really wants to get like some he screen time.
0: <laughs> yeah. He wants, he's next in line. Apparently. Uh, Darius,
1: you better stay away. That never
0: seems to work out. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that one. Uh, the other part of that was working on shooting hoops. I mean, yeah, I mean just as if like, the
1: players in the offseason aren't shooting, they're like, you know what, I was gonna shoot today, but instead
0: I'm just gonna rebound. I'm gonna play 2K. <laughs> I'm not gonna not I'm gonna virtually shoot. I'm just gonna <laughs> dribble in the corner. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's it. Um, I mean Coro could do that, that'd be nice. Indeed. Um, yeah, just by virtue of getting Colin Sexton back, I think it hopefully I think that that will definitely like from a scoring production standpoint, the cap should be much improved.
1: With uh, uh, with what Richard said, though, in shooting, if there is any type of shooting this Cavs team needs to do in the offseason, it's uh, just stay at the free throw line for an hour yes. and
0: just shoot. Because um, good God, that was aggravating. <laughs> he also mentioned driving to the hoop. I don't know if that was kind of pointed at like Darius Garland. Oh, uh, no, it, it, it most certainly yeah. was. <laughs> and that's something Darius could definitely. Uh,
1: it's not. I feel like Darius was much more aggressive getting to the basket. But, like, as further on in the season and more wear and tear was on him, I feel like we saw those numbers kind of dip. And if you're not getting rewarded when you're getting absolutely, like, manhandled at the cup with some free throws like we see with other players in the league, cough, cough, Trey Young, James Harden, then
0: uh, They're never I to get to that. <laughs> They're never going to get to that level.
1: I think Darius could if he appears in one State Farm commercial. It seems like that's all it takes. It's like a State Farm link
0: kind of. <laughs> Do you know who actually led the Cavaliers in free throws attempted this year? Evan Mobley. Jared Allen did. 4.2 a night. That's low. Wow. They didn't have a single player average above that. <laughs> that's, that is crazy to me. Um, I do definitely think Darius can raise it, but I just don't know. Because he doesn't, he doesn't strike me as a guy who like looks to invite contact. And I don't know if you can change that because that's a mental thing. Yeah, going to Jared
1: Allen being the leader, that's kind of weird because I felt like last season, correct me if you felt differently, but I felt like Jared Allen was like pretty automatic from the free throw line. I think he was like an 80% free throw shooter last year, and I felt like that really took a dip this season. Yeah. I I just felt like everyone outside of Kevin Love and Darius was not a good free throw shooter.
0: Yeah, so Jared Allen on the year shot seventy point eight percent from the free throw line. Um, I mean, from a big man, that's not terrible, I suppose. No, but but it's a like last – Yeah. Well, what was it last season? Shoot, uh, intern. Last <laughs> <year>. <laughs> Look, I tried. I tried to tell you guys on the last episode when he made the intern comment, he was talking about me. <laughs> um, actually, no, he actually shot sixty nine percent last season. I all right. So Slight I just want. I just want people to know that um, it felt like
1: 80% to me, and I am sorry that I didn't have the numbers on the top of my head. I'll have, like, three people, <laughs> like, at me and Twitter tomorrow morning when this episode comes out being like, dude, what the hell? He
0: never shot 80%, idiot. And I'll be like, I know I am. Thanks. Yeah, so <laughs> interestingly enough, um, Darius Garland only averaged 3.5, so you had literally no guard average more than that, um, which is a bit troublesome. I feel like Colin could have got there had he played longer. He probably – Colin probably would have led the team had he been healthy. If there's
1: That's one thing point. Colin is not afraid to do, it's attack the cup.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. And I really hope we get to see that next year. And although they've like kind of changed the rules since you know Sexton really got long periods of play time. We've seen guys be impacted by that, a la James Harden. That's that's such a lie. You look at the numbers like
1: initially, it's like what the NBA always does this every year where they're like, oh, here are the new rules. And for like the first month, everyone's like, oh, my God, the game's radically different. And then if you watch like an NBA game four months later, you're like, they're calling a lot more of these ticky tack fouls. And then I remember there was a chart they showed and it's just such high exponential growth (laughs) in the amount of ticky tack fouls. And then you're like, huh, you know, now that I think about it, Trey Young does get a lot of bullshit foul calls now that I think about it.
0: Look, dude, like I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying like you can clearly – I don't know if it's mainly free throws or if the dude is just literally breaking down right before our eyes. But <laughs> James Harden is just not the same dude anymore. You mean Jimbo Slice? Come on, man, Jimbo Slice. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Oh, man. Uh, next up from Aaron Allendorf. Honestly, the offseason can go in multiple directions. Trade the pick and a few players for a very good player. I don't know, man. Uh, keep draft picks and grab Easton or the kid from Candace. He's talking about Agbaje. Uh <laughs> Extend either or both Colin and Karis. Make some addition like getting Rubio back or Covington. That's an interesting name, Robert Covington. What do you think about that last point? I don't foresee
1: the Clippers getting rid of Rocco anytime soon, seeing as they acquired him and Norman Powell in an Mm. absolute swindling of the Blazers.
0: Definitely was a swindle. Jeez Louise.
1: I mean, have you ever told me that all it took – to get Norman Powell and Robert Covington, two very solid wing options is to give up the justice Winslow project. I'd be Mm -hmm. the first one in line to take that ticket. I remember when that trade happened and I tweeted like, Oh man, well by this logic I'll get the Cavs should be able to get Brandon Ingram for Jetty Osmond in a second round pick. And then some, (laughs) some, uh, Brandon Ingram burner account like the de- like added me be like, Brandon Ingram's never going to be worth a I second. Remember you idiot. That. <laughs> yes, I I remember like, that. <laughs> I'm like, did you whatever, man?
0: Yeah. That, um, interestingly enough though, Covington will actually be, I believe an unrestricted free agent next season. So I mean, yeah, he no, could I, be available.
1: yeah no, I was just saying like, if they traded for him, odds are, I feel like They're if there's anything that Clippers team loves to be, it's versatile mm-hmm. and having a lot of position, um, swapping players, is exactly what they want They want wings that can guard 2 through 4 And if you you can swap Kawhi and Paul George minutes With some Roko minutes in between mm-hmm. That's like exactly what they would want
0: Yeah, I mean that's fair I He's only 32 Obviously, He'll only be 32 or 33 At the start of next season Which is in NBA terms Depending upon your play style Can still be very young um, Probably get some productive years out of him So he'll probably end up staying With the Clippers But you never know um in regards to some of these other ones on here like trading the pick and i think we already commented on this a little bit earlier but like in my opinion i really do not want like they have three picks this this uh this draft at the very least maybe trade a second rounder cuz i don't see three picks being made i do see two i had a video um that i put out earlier about a draft prospect that they should look at but you should watch it it's a great video <laughs> thanks um, did you really watch it? Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I. How dare you? Like... <laughs> wait, what the hell, man? <laughs> at first, I was like, yeah, I'm like, wait, whoa, <laughs> what's happening? Um, um, as far as like the draft is concerned, like I think it would definitely behoove them to at least select two players, maybe move the 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 late second round pick, but do not get rid of that first round pick. Like you can you can definitely still. This is. Not necessarily like a top-heavy draft. I wouldn't even call it like a like a star-studded draft. I think it is a deep draft. I yeah. think it's filled with players who have the potential to be quality rotation players. Some star-level talent towards the top. But if the Cavs do end up picking at 14, which I believe they have a 97.6 chance. Four. I think that's what it is. Yeah, four. You got it. Uh, 97.4 chance to select at 14 which I really believe that's probably what they're going to do. Um, But even if that is the case, you can get the quality rotation player there, Um, not a developmental guy. And then in the second round, um, I'll just go ahead and say it, Um, there are a couple of guys that you should look at. If you swing and miss on Rubio, look at a guy like uh, Daylon Terry, uh, the point guard out of <laughs> Arizona who is maybe more so developmental but would fit nicely especially from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, um, I mean the fact
1: of the matter is with south second round picks are pretty much developmental.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I mean like-
1: they're you're never going right. to get like a fully finished product out of those. And if you can find like one part of a player that you think is like pretty refined, it doesn't mm-hmm. not necessarily completely refined player, but like someone that has like this one trait that truly stands out, then you've hit on a second round pick. That's just my personal
0: opinion. No, that's completely true. Like you, you're really throwing darts at a board uh, when you're picking in the second round. There really is no certain thing in any draft period in the second yeah. round is even more so difficult to predict. I mean, like, as you saw in that video, like Monte Ginobili, Draymond Green, guys like that, those guys, no, there was no real way of knowing that they were going to be as great as they have been. Um, Yo Kitch. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's countless guys who have been second round picks. who have had pretty good NBA careers. Isaiah um,
1: Thomas was the last pick of the second round.
0: Yeah. And for a period of time, you know, it's as weird as it is to throw his name Around um, he was a very Good player for a very good point In time to that hip injury so um, You never really know what you can get So I think they should keep at least One of those two in the second And definitely just the early one, Yeah, It's going to be really high it's like a borderline 39. First round pick Yeah they, they pick yeah. 39th in the second round And um, I think you can get At, least, at the very least you're going to walk away From this draft if you don't move any picks With a immediate rotation caliber player whether that be a baji which is my pick um or um another developmental guy and maybe Dale and Terry but um, someone I'm not that sells
1: the Cleveland charge season tickets
0: <laughs> yeah he'll probably like whatever that second round pick is they're definitely heading to the charge um <clears throat> but I'm not moving that first rounder so that that that's just my opinion we'll see what the caps do stay strong Mac <laughs> it's draft <Yeah>. season, baby. <laughs> um, this next one comes from M. Cardina. Um, exclusively focused on player development with the guys we have here. Help Aguero, marketing and Mobley become better. Spot up three-point shooters. I like this one because it's simple. Um, give me your take on it. I think
1: that's something the Cavs have been doing pretty much for a lot of the off seasons. I mean, if there's anything that the Cavs have done really well besides draft, it's developed these young players over time. I'd say the player that we seem to not be seeing as drastic of a spike from lately has been Akoro, because you kind of look at Darius and Sexton and probably I would expect Mobley to probably follow the same curve of just noticeable each season taking drastic leaps. Yeah. I think Akoro's was more of a subtle leap, which makes sense because he was a lot more raw, I think, than any of the other players I just mentioned coming into the draft. I mean, I feel like we say this every other episode, but that that Isaac Okoro draft is like everyone knew that outside of that top three of Edwards, Wiseman and Ball, that it was going to be all projects. And it's kind of like pick your project at this point. And then I mean, look at the Bulls with Patrick Williams. They still have no idea what Patrick Williams is going to be, but you don't think Bulls fans are getting ready to jump off the Patrick
0: Williams ship yet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I mean you, you, There are some guys out there you legitimately Have to like when you invest in them You have to give them that four to five years To like truly blossom into the player You envision them especially guys Who come out as more of defensive specialists Like you In order for that offense to come around you really Have to give them time to develop and For a team that has a makeup like the Cavs If you get Colin back You have DG who's taking that all-star Leap and you got Evan Mobley who's probably Going to take a leap too um, the touches from an offensive standpoint are probably just gonna be few far in between. Let me ask you a question. I was thinking about this a while ago because I heard a rumor
1: that the Hawks, if they were gonna move anyone, would be moving DeAndre Hunter. Would you if there was if this was a possibility because it's definitely not just because of the whole way the Eastern Conference works, <laughs> would you be interested in a trade that kind of centered around a coro and the first for DeAndre Hunter? <sighs> Because, we, like, in my mind... Why are you doing this? Because <laughs> I feel like, in my mind, Hunter's... Like, what Hunter looks to be a really good 3 and D type wing is exactly what we're, we're hoping, kind of, coro could have into. Or, like, what's what we're kind of hoping for from um Agbaji from Kansas. Yeah. And I I was just wondering, because that would probably... He would probably step into the 3 for Hunter and then move market into the bench. But I feel like that also just answers a lot of our questions but i wanted to know what your
0: thoughts were it would definitely warrant serious consideration because i feel like the player that hunter is now is maybe what okoro can be after this next season um it it really is tough just because i see like the offensive development it came a little bit this season i think we talked about this the past few episodes he did up his three-point percentage but it came at a lower volume um Really, it all still boils down to confidence for him and knowing what his role is going to be. Um, I feel like Hunter is a little bit more, like, you can see he has more confidence than Okoro. I think that's clear as day, in my opinion, and for what the Cavs, um, he's got good size. He's 6'8". He's listed at 225. Mm -hmm. I mean, he fits the mold what the Cavs really are looking for from a wing standpoint. So I would consider it, but you said Okoro and the first? Yeah,
1: I just like – it's like I'm trying to think because I don't think an Akoro for Hunter makes sense for either team. It really no. doesn't make sense at all for the Hawks because um, they're looking for someone to play with Trey kind of. Yeah, And Akoro wouldn't do that at all. I was just really just throwing it out there. Spitballing. I couldn't, okay. I couldn't really think of like a trade that would really work out for the Hawks. I'm just more thinking like if a player like Hunter became available, would you want to trade Akoro for him? Because I feel like Akoro has the most attractive value – of a young player that we'd be willing to get rid of
0: a one-to-one swap. I would definitely consider it. And I, I hate to say that because I'm really high on Isaac Coro's. Sam, I don't want it to be a slight against the core that I even brought it up. It's just yeah. more, I'm just trying to think of who's attractive to other teams. But like, yeah. When you talk about like um, guys who would have some type of value that are not immediate core, like, like not movable guys, like obviously DG, uh, Evan, Jarrett, um, you know, you can include Colin in there. Um, Okoro probably has the, the most trade value um of those next tier of guys down. And for him, like here's the question. Um, and I know you're just spitballing here, but here's the big question. We saw that Okoro was dang near unplayable in the playoffs. Hunter, on the other hand, it would if the Cavs had a playoff series, a full a uh, full at least four games. Do you think Hunter ends up in that same type of doll cow's role where he just doesn't play?
1: no I felt like because like what I saw in that heat series from Hunter was that he definitely can hit some big shots and he's willing to take them which is something mm-hmm. I feel like even a at times looked very skittish still in the postseason, I feel like if he didn't hit his first one he was like well this is probably I'm not probably gonna take another one because I remember that Nets uh, play in game he took his first two shots they didn't go in then I felt like a Coral just kind of went into his shell offensively and was like well I'm not gonna take these because it's just obviously not my night and then we kept them out there so Solely because he was just doing really good work on Kyrie at the time. But then um, you know, I think Hunter, Hunter kind of just fits the playoff mold yeah. of what teams want. They want that three and D wing. They want someone that if like their numbers called, if like let's say just for the Hawks, like Trey Young was pretty abysmal in the Jeez. sheet series that's, for a that's while. Not even the right word. <laughs> it was trash. No. <laughs>
0: i'm just kidding but yeah if you want to like
1: if you want to have beta level guards like Trey young not shoot then you can have deandre (laughs) hunter step up to the plate and hit down some clutch threes yeah i just think like you know the playoffs like we we sit and wonder what the type correct uh playoff players are and i feel like it's honestly pretty obvious we find it's just successful three and d players point guards that can generate their own shots Players that get other ones involved by attacking the cup and passing it out. It's like slashing kick, corner three. That's postseason basketball. If you, you just go-
0: literally described the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, <laughs> um, that's all I could think about when you were saying that, like Memphis Grizzlies, because they have all of that and in abundance, too. They have depth.
1: Yeah, that's something that the Cavs also definitely need because that kind of I felt like the post the playing games really exposed our lack of depth. I mean, the Mm -hmm. postseason in general really trims down the amount of players that teams play. Like I was looking at the um, the minutes of the Bucks and the Celtics game because my friends asked me who do I think is going to win that series because they're pretty much all Celtics fans. They wanted to know what (laughs) an unbiased uh, part would think. And I tried to look at even with Middleton not playing, both teams were pretty much only playing seven players. That also counting in the fact that they were missing smart on Boston and Middleton on Mm -hmm. Milwaukee. But their one through eight is way more is way deeper than I would think the Cavs is. I truly think that Cavs playoff run was seven deep with like if you were having kevin love be the sixth and then like a mishmash of rondo stevens and jetty kind of playing like sparing minutes
0: yeah i mean this this becomes all the more interesting next season if you have everybody back um like who's going to be in who's going to be out because there's going to be so many mouths to feed so many guys buying for minutes and I really do not envy JB because that's some tough conversations are going to be had. Um, we might see a couple of uh, a couple of deals to move some guys to kind of um, clear up some of the logjam um, in regards to certain positions that we have. But uh, next up on the list here from Guy, <laughs> <laughs> on these are all Twitter based. Uh, you know people's Twitter handles give be something else. Uh, so forgive me if I mispronounce it. Uh, resign Rubio. Find a long-term deal for Sexton. Move marketing, Love, and the 22nd first-rounder to go after a top wing player. Jeez. So first <laughs> off, let's unpack this one. Resign Rubio. All right, we're in agreement with that, right? Yep. Okay. Find a long-term deal for Sexton. We're in agreement with that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, now move marketing and love and the uh in the first rounder in this next draft to go after a top wing player. Uh that's where you
1: lose me at, buddy.
0: Uh, I don't know any me. team in the league that's
1: going to have 50 million
0: dollars just
1: ready to <laughs> to be exactly. absorbed. Yeah, they get two players that only can
0: shoot threes and space the floor and don't play defense. The only way that that even like even with one of these if you say marketing, okay. If you say we're moving marketing in that twenty and in, in the first rounder, the only way that that is being moved is if it hops into the top four. If that's like the number one or number two pick, maybe you have a couple of offers, and that's something you consider. Like I was thinking about that, like if maybe the Cavs luck into the second or third pick, you might want to think about packaging somebody with that first rounder. Well, not not packaging. You might want to think about drafting. Somebody as a potential replacement for Lowry, um, Paulo Panaro. Yes, um, there's a couple of guys in that in in the top four spots that you might really in the top six, if you ask me, uh, that that you can really consider possibly moving on or moving Lowry to the bench for. And so that's the only scenario in which I see the Cavs moving that pick is if they move up into the top four and somebody makes them an offer they can't refuse for like Lowry, um, the first rounder and maybe like a a throw-in. I don't know. Maybe Dylan Whitler, like like you were saying earlier. Uh, I don't know. I
1: I would laugh tears of sadness. (laughs) If, like, the Cavs moves into the top four, they get, like, the number two overall pick, and they pull a Patriots and take, like, Okchai Baji still at number two. Yeah. (laughs) They'd be like, here's
0: Cole Strange. (laughs) I'm done at that standpoint. Like, I'm just done watching the draft if they do some shit like that. Anthony Bennett 2.0. Yeah, like that was out of the blue. I, I can still remember my expression when I was like, because that was already like a pretty bad draft. Like, it was horrible. Was, yeah, like Giannis was in that draft, right? Yeah, it was 15th. And I think Oladipo, Oladipo was second. Yeah. I mean, you could have made, you could have picked Oladipo and probably, um, you know, fared better. Enrico. Well, obviously, you would have fared better, but they had Dion too. So I don't even know. <laughs> Yeah, and I
1: mean, with Kyrie and his off-court chemistry, that was
0: that was electric. You can't get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, let's just sit here and pray that they jump into the top four. But if they don't, keep the pick. Um, moving on here, this is more so a question from Jennifer Thomas. Should Darius and Collins start together? That's the first part of the question. What do you say in regards to that, my friend? Uh, of course, sex okay. land trademarks depend on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, there's a lot of money to be had there. Yeah. <laughs> um, should Okoro, uh, and by the way, I agree. Uh, should Okoro <laughs> and or marketing come off the bench? I um. I feel like Okoro really wasn't a
1: starter until uh, Colin went they down. Pressed or yeah. actually until Rubio went down, then Okoro stepped in. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I think the starting five is going to stay the same. I don't see any reason. We, we've talked about this in past episodes as well, but I think the starting five from the opening tip of the season should stay the same. I don't see any reason why that should change. Lowry really fits well when you have the other two bigs there. I mean, it was it gets awkward at times when you don't have the other two out there to cover his deficiencies at the three. Mm-hmm. Be, but, it's not likely again that we're gonna be missing major time from either of our big men. Sure so yeah. And I mean, they're just... both really freak things. It wasn't like they're something that could be a growing concern. I don't
0: think I don't expect Jared Allen to have a hand injury every season. <laughs> right. And especially at the end, like the tail, like the last month of the season. Like that was just brutal. But uh yeah, um definitely in regards to that, I think Okoro is probably not gonna be starting. Next year, Lowry probably still has the best chance to be the starter at the three, assuming the Cavs don't move into the top four. But you never know what's going to happen. Tall ball Apollo Bunkero would be nasty. Yes, it would. <laughs> <laughs> um, next scenario from Keisha W um, either develop a Coro and Windler, or trade them for better players that can score points. <laughs> Damn. Cutthroat GM. (laughs) Exactly. I felt that. Just like I felt the harshness when I was reading that. (laughs) I just Um, like or trade them for talented players. Okay. They're certainly not it. (laughs) Better play. So how – let me ask you this, Keisha. How often can you trade a worse player for a better player straight up?
1: you'd have to kobe allman would have to be like the most sketchy used car salesman of all time to sell that it's like here's kobe dylan Windler.
0: the swindler bro like kobe is fleecing people left and right out teams outfit. are like, like can you send us the footage on
1: dylan Windler? and he just sends them cleveland charge footage from the summer league or belmont highlights like no 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 we asked for last season it's like i, I did and it's just belmont <laughs> senior
0: year footage yeah, <laughs> Um Wendler, I think Wendler, I think we already said he's going to be making a little over four mil this year. I, I truly believe this will be his last season with the Cavs, rain or shine. Um, Damn, Lowry. No, I don't even know why I mentioned Lowry. Uh, Okoro, no, give him some time. Um, You can always, at the midseason standpoint, if you're like fed up with him, which I do not see happening. You could find a way to package him with something, but I, I really hope that doesn't happen. Um, just a quick comment, real unrelated. Trade Jetty Lowry draft Terry Easton at 14. If LaVert doesn't work, trade bait deadline. So, you know, where you got me right here, buddy, is LaVert. If he doesn't, because I he'll walk into next season, most likely, on the Cavs roster. And if they are feeling like, hey, let's just, it's time to cut bait, yeah, he'll probably end up being a deadline move. Um are we that like, are people just that down on Lowry right now? I don't know why he's catching strays. I don't know. I think people are forgetting that he was really good in that Atlanta play-in game. <laughs> yeah, he was. I mean, Terry Easton at four. You can add Easton and keep Lowry. I mean, no, no, nope, makes- nope. you just got to get rid of Lowry
1: regardless. <laughs> I don't care if we draft a point guard. We have to get rid of him.
0: <laughs> Ty Ty Washington. Uh, <laughs> Do you see that uh, vert? That means Lowry has to go. <laughs> yeah. Um but no, I mean like I said the Cavs got 11 players not counting Sexton. You got 12 with him. You can draft Terry Eason, Abaji, whoever at 14 and still keep Lowry. it just makes sense.
1: If if the cat the only way I see Lowry not being on this team is if the Cavs somehow luck into the 3 and then Chet Holmgren is who they pick. I
0: just do not like I don't it's the body, dude. It's I do not like Chet Holmgren's like NBA prospects. Like I was like before the season. I was like, maybe he can be like a an uh, an Evan Mobley type, but Evan's a little bit Evan's skinny, like skinny compared to a lot of NBA power forwards and centers. Yet he's got like at least he looks like he's at least fifty pounds heavier than Chet.
1: Yeah, Holmgren has some nice dribble moves, and he's Mm -hmm. like surprisingly agile in the lane. He's had moments that kind of like are jaw-dropping, but then it's like you have to remember he plays for Gonzaga and their conference is full of like farmers.
0: I am legitimately worried about his health going against NBA bigs, man. That's...
1: Like let's just take this Miami uh, Philly series, for example. Can you imagine Chet Holmgren trying to go in the lane against Dwayne Deadman?
0: <laughs> Could you imagine Joel Embiid?
1: I'm I'm not even saying that level, like because most players still are petrified by Joel Embiid. I'm talking about the lower level NBA
0: center. He would put Chet on his ass, and so I would not. If if we were able to be in position to draft Chet, I'm not drafting Chet.
1: Moses <laughs> no. Brown would be very sal. He'd be salivating seeing Chet Holmgren come into the paint. He'd be like, he finally would. a matchup I like
0: uh that's an interesting one from the same person uh would jeremy grant be a better fit than Lowry? i like him defensive liability though be more of a conventional small forward i I feel honestly it depends upon the deal because i feel like you have a lot of uh potential for a lateral move here
1: Mm -hmm. i feel like if you pack would you be comfortable moving like the 14 and jetty for jeremy grant
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you at least have a proven NBA talent in Jeremy Grant, and you, no guy is ever like we're we're talking about Abaji, we're talking about Brain, and we're talking about Easton at the fourteen. None of these guys have played a minute in the NBA yet.
1: Yeah, I um, I'm trying to think of like what deal like I would want to say like the, the they probably wouldn't want Jetty. It'd probably be like Karis in the fourteen or something. I don't know something more talented than just Jetty in the yeah. 14.
0: They're they're like that. Again, we're just getting into scenarios in which the Cavs will likely have to move up in order for their pick to have appeal. Like it's this is a literally end of the lottery pick type of thing. Like uh, it's not going to have a lot of curb appeal unless you're attaching like an a a talented player along with it. It also depends on the
1: board at the time that the pick. Like we don't even have to say that the pick. Like it could be during the draft. I think picks have more value, honestly, during the draft than they do before the draft, because you know what's on the board. And like when you just trade blindly for a pick before the draft, you don't know who's going to be available. I mean, like look at the Markel Fultz draft when the Celtics had the first pick and they traded picks with uh, Philly. And they didn't even
0: need to do that. (laughs) They
1: they got Jason Tatum either way.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh man that that was a a crazy draft good times <laughs> all righty next up here i like this one because i missed this guy um draft abaji yeah i think that's what the Cavs are gonna end up doing uh and this is by keith henson by the way um sign isaiah hardenstein hardenstein <laughs> in free agency trade for kimba for backup point guard uh, so you already made a comment on Kimba earlier, so we can skip over that. If you want, if you <laughs> he has a further hip replacement elaborate. in the mail. <laughs> um, I, I, I kind of feel like that 14 spot, we kind of beat that to death. So who knows who they'll draft. We'd be okay with that. But the real meat and potatoes here is the <laughs> Isaiah Hardenstein signing in free agency. How would you feel about a, a Isaiah return?
1: I mean, obviously, I'd enjoy it a lot. I feel like, unfortunately, unless we used our mid level exception on him, I don't see a way in which he would come back because I think he really performed well for the Clippers and really uh, reinvigorated his stock. Because let's not, let's keep in mind that Hardenstein also was a camp invite for the Clippers mm-hmm. at the time. He didn't even get signed on until, like, the very last That's minute. That's
0: crazy to me because this dude, this dude is super young. He's still just, like, 22, 23 years old, and he is still very talented. He's a very good, off like, he, offensive okay. big.
1: Right? I was going to say, like, vision. offensive hub, but it's, like, it's not, like, that talented. No,
0: it's but he has, like, he has underrated vision for a big, like, for I a have. senior. I'm trying to think of like uh, the lesser version of a hub. (laughs) You know, you don't want to throw like a uh, everybody throws for offensive hubs. We all throw the name Nikola Jokic out there. But it's just like that just undersells that how great that dude is. Can we say like a like a
1: step below Larry Nance level hub?
0: I like that because Larry, especially in this New Orleans, uh, this past New Orleans series, he really, he was a big part of that, man. Like they would not have won the games that they won without Larry. He had a triple-double and one, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, Larry. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I like that. And both of those guys got to play together.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. know. <laughs> Maybe I'll we'll call him up.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, Hart is going to probably be more expensive than the Cavs are willing to pay. Um, he only made Hart so long. <laughs> I wanted him to return this past season. I just knew it wasn't going to happen, uh, especially with Mobley, you know, being the guy that they wanted all along. One point um, seven million he made this season. He's going to be looking for a payday. <laughs> Get them checks. Can't blame him. Yeah. So I mean. Hopefully that would be nice. I just don't see it happening. And um, I know you already made your comment on Kipa, but I did want to look at his salary. I don't. Do you know how much he's making this year? I think that Nick
1: Steele was like three years, fourteen million or something. It's nothing
0: like too. But they're going to cut him anyway. Like they don't want him at all. Yeah, I mean, dude's thirty-one and he's a smallish point guard. He'll be making nine mil next season. They'll probably look to release him. Was
1: it two eighteen?
0: Two eighteen, uh, like the deal? Yeah, 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 right. Like two, yeah, right around two eighteen. Yeah, pass. (laughs) I'm much more in the market
1: for that's the uh, entire mid level deal.
0: That would be like the entire mid level, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, and you would get a player that the New York Knicks who didn't make the play in deemed unplayable.
0: Yeah, I mean, no, I'm good I mean, you'd be better off bringing Rondo back um, <laughs> If he wants to If he's going to retire, who knows um, That said, no there, There's other additions You you would literally, to me, be better off Drafting a point guard um, yeah. Not with the first pick, uh, first rounder But uh, next up here We got another question from The same person again uh, Nick Claxton is a free agent What would you think about bringing Nick Claxton To town? I don't think the Cavs can afford it. No, I don't honest. think so either. <laughs> uh <laughs> he is obviously probably gonna be looking for a bigger role than the Cavs would probably offer him too. I think he'll go back to Brooklyn. Honestly. I do too. Perfect fit for him there. Um I I honestly think like any backup center the Cavs get is gonna have to be okay with not having a huge role. He's gonna have to be comfortable keeping the seat warm that Ed Davis leaves behind. <laughs> yeah. I mean sad but true. I mean, when you think about the dearth of bigs the Cavs have right now that they want to feature, um if you want to consider Lowry, like it like it's so weird. Like I don't know what the hell to consider Lowry. Is a wing? Is he is he a big? I don't know, but he's Lowry, a forward held hostage at the 3. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um Lowry, Evan, Jarrett, Kev, you want to give all of these guys minutes and I just don't see a fifth big like truly Getting any type of big role every night. So, yeah, no, uh, tough scene for the centers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why, like, literally, that's why we're talking about guys like Tristan and uh, Hassan, and there's others out there, uh, Dwight Howard. Um, I think no. DeAndre. <laughs> DeAndre. No, no,
1: these are terrible. Suggestions. I like the first two, the other two are very awful.
0: Oh, whatever. Man. <laughs> Uh, uh, last, Mutombo, uh. yes, let's get let's get bull, bull. Uh, well, I was gonna say,
1: bull bull.
0: <laughs> uh, last but not least, from Sexland Equal More Cavalanges I agree. <laughs> uh, sure. draft Branham or Akbaji, see if you can get a cheap Rubio deal. Because at that age, coming off two ACLs, <laughs> you can't expect what you saw the first two months. That's a harsh reality, right there, man. <laughs> That dude um, is a doctor. That's for sure. <laughs> everybody loves Branham. Everybody, well, everybody loves Abaji. Little, a little talk about Branham at 14, but we'll see. So we'll, we'll skip over that. We've talked about that a lot. Um, what is the cheapest you think you could sign Ricky Rubio to? Do you think you get him for alone. the mid level? Uh, I,
1: I feel like teams are going to pine for him just because whoever team he touches turns to gold in the sense of his leadership. Think he's like I know there's been rumors that Golden State wanted him really
0: bad last season. I would I, actually I would hate that, but I would love to see how it work.
1: Yeah, he definitely um he would definitely help just be a connective tissue, even though I feel like now that Jordan Poole has elevated himself into being a primary ball handler for them at mm-hmm. times. Now they have three players that can bring up the ball between Steph, Draymond, and Jordan
0: Poole. It's not fair. Like they have a wealth of guys that are just like Ready to go when their core drops off Like Jordan Poole Absolutely ridiculous that they have him. They barely play well they've just Started to play Jonathan Kaminka Um And James Wiseman Is having a bigger role so I don't know man. <laughs> uh, yeah I mean they, My point is that they just have So many guys out there that That I don't even know Who else would have does anybody Have more depth than them like seriously like Look at the, the rosters around the league. Do they have the most depth in the entire league? They're probably the team that's best set up for the future while also being good now. Like because they have unique.
1: They have Pool, Wiseman, Moody, Kaminga for the future. And then they have their uh Splash Brothers and Draymond and Wiggins still, now. Uh, yeah,
0: exactly. And and they have some ancillary pieces. Like I think they still have Lee and yep. yeah, they and uh Iggy. Yes, Iggy, the ageless guy out there. Otto um, Porter. It's, it's a deep-ass roster. I really legitimately think they have the deepest roster in the league. Um, and it's unfair because like, they, the Weirs are so easy to hate. <laughs> They're like the easiest guys to hate in regards to basketball. Um, but just to kind of close this point out on Rubio, I think we said in the last episode – I do not think Rubio will be ready for the start of the season. No, he won't um, be ready until like January. That's my opinion, though. Yeah, I mean, we. I think I agree with you in that, and I honestly, I don't know how comfortable I am paying like big money to a guy that is not going to play the first two to three months of the season, and when you could legitimately go out there and try and spend on a wing or you know one of the areas you need we have. I don't know. Time will tell. what Kobe is has proven to swindle guys in the past. He's proven to sell guys on roles and make some crazy deals. So we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll trust the wizard for as
0: long as possible. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Um, with that said, <clears throat> like we always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can at it's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you want it to be included in the It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, and send a screenshot of said review rating to cavalier 53 at gmail.com. I made it through it. <laughs> I made it through it. Jeez, I struggle with that every single time. Ah oh, man, closing thoughts. I uh I just I I'm I'm disappointed that uh no one is
1: really trying to be antsy about joining our group chat a Little uh <laughs> It's
0: insane. It's always a party. Uh, thanks Tate boys. Uh, yeah. I mean, dude, it is what it is. <laughs> I guess nobody wants to talk to us.
1: <laughs> it's cool. I don't want to talk to myself either. I feel sorry <laughs> that you have to listen to me. <laughs>
0: Dean, where you at, man? We, hey,
1: uh, Dean, take my spot as co-host. Mac would really appreciate it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, bye, Corey. <laughs> I would be too. <laughs> if, if yeah, He's like, would... I
1: need to take Corey's spot. I'd be like, done.
0: Jeez, Louise. Um, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm hoping because the I think the draft lottery is like literally two weeks away. So I'm praying for some luck here. Um, hopefully. Well, we'll record at least probably one more time before then, but
1: we'll do um, a live pod during the draft.
0: It's a good lottery. Mm -hmm. It's a good idea. We will definitely. And draft, I
1: guess, because I locked us into that. So you're welcome.
0: (laughs) You did. (laughs) You did. Well, I have some guests on there. Uh, So tune in. You guys have a good night. (laughs)